Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. What a privilege it is to study God's Word together this morning and to have a Bible that we can relate to and study and learn to understand. Uh, as I begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard someone say, well, it was just their time to die? Or something like, does it matter? You know, what's going on, because when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Anybody ever hear that statement made? How many many of you know that there's no scriptural grounds for a statement like that? At all? I guess it just sounds good. I remember a family member that was heavily, heavily involved in um, smoking four packs of the strongest cigarettes you could smoke a day. And when I got saved, I just approached her and just made some comment about, you know, maybe you need to slow down or do something about that. And the comment back was, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. It doesn't really matter what you do. Well, that's not biblical. Because what's biblical is this. There are certain things we can do to lengthen our lifespan on the earth. There are certain things we can do to shorten our lifespan upon the earth. That is biblical. Look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. That's supposed to be verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. They tell us that if we will obey his commandments... That he will add length of days to our lives. My son, forget not my law. Let that heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Notice we could have added to us length of days, long life, and peace. Uh, It'll add to us. Do you have that in the Amplified? Can you shift that over to the Amplified version of the Bible? It just adds a little bit more to it. My son, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life worth living and tranquility inward and outward and continuing through old age till death, these shall they add to thee. Does that sound like you could have some length of days and some years of life added? If we do what he said to do, I like to put it this way. Verse one, you sow the seed. Verse two, you reap the harvest. Then again, look at the book of Psalms, chapter 55 and verse uh, 23. 
This is from the New American Standard Bible. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Does that sound like you could do some things to shorten your life upon the earth? Now, there are many other scriptures, but we're just pointing these two out. Now, look at the book of Ecclesiastes as well. And notice in chapter 7 and verse 17, what it says. Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should you die before thy time? Does that sound like you can do some things to die before your time? Now, you have to remember something when it says your time. It's not like I was born December the 20th of 1951. And that means that my time to die would be December the 20th, 2051. It doesn't mean that. That there's a specific day that you're supposed to die. That's not what he's saying. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you something. It's talking about a due season. Look in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 3. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. Catch that verse. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. That's a season. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. That's a season. So when do we plant in western Pennsylvania? Right, spring. When do we harvest what's planted? That's at the end of the season, right? You've got that growing season, and then when everything is ripe, that's when you pick it, and that's when you harvest it. So that's a season. So that's a period of time, which is a season. So there's a time to be born, and a time to die is a season. So in God's mind, a time to be born is when you're born, but the time to die is the season. The end of the season is the harvest season. When should we be harvested? Two things come to mind. In your old age... But then also, if you finished your work that God gave you to do upon the earth. Because Jesus was only 33 when he died, right? But he said these words. I have completed the work that you called me to do, that you gave me to do. So obviously, Jesus is somewhat different. He came, he did what he was to do, and after he finished what he was to do, he left and went back to be with the Father in glory. But I want us to see that our lifespan is a due season, beginning at birth, ending in a ripe old age. According to scripture, it's our time to depart. That should be the standard. But because of the fall of man, because of sin, we know that's not always the case. This morning, what I want to do is share with us our responsibility to do our part so that we can have years of life added to our lifespan. One of the things that we see in Scripture that will help us understand this is found in the Lord's Supper this morning. Look in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read these verses first before I comment. We do our part, God will do His part. Our part, of course, is our responsibility. His part is His responsibility. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it and said, Take, eat. 
This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also he took the cup. When he had subbed, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, everybody say with me, for this cause. Say it this way, this is the reason. This is the reason why many are weak and sickly and many sleep or die prematurely. Wow. Are those impacting words? Absolutely. So we'll expand on that in just a moment. But unworthily participating in the Lord's Supper produces weakness, sickness, and premature death. Well, I like the flip side of that coin. Partaking of it worthily means strength, health, and longevity. Which side of the coin do you want? Strength, health, and longevity. Well, let's just take just a moment to focus in on that statement that he's made here. In this celebration... There is a supernatural force in manifestation. This is a solemn yet exciting occasion. And it's to be taken so seriously that we understand it gives place to, while I participate in it, either one of two things. Weakness, strength, premature death. Or strength, health, and longevity. You see, this is powerful this morning. And I believe, no matter who we are, if we're in need of healing, this is going to be something that will be such an eye-opener to all of us. All of us. Do this daily. You don't have to do this here. But once you get a revelation of what this stands for, you'll want to do this daily in your own home. And get before God, understanding how to participate in this celebration worthily. And that's our focus this morning. Now, this is an exciting celebration of the greatest love ever demonstrated toward mankind. God so loved the world that he made the ultimate sacrifice to lay down the life of his son for you and for me so that we can have a relationship with him, not just now, but throughout eternity. And without this sacrifice, there is no relationship. Without this sacrifice, there's no eternity with him in glory. Without this sacrifice... There's nothing but eternal separation from God in a place called a lake of fire where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. This ordinance is one of the two ordinances of the church. And this is the ordinance that reveals to us God's love for us and also the fact that we can 
base our faith on a covenant relationship that we have with him through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It's a superior covenant to the old covenant because it's based on the blood of a better sacrifice. Look at the book of Matthew in chapter 26. This is Jesus instituting what is called the Lord's Supper during Passover. But basically he fulfilled Passover and this is his supper. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it for this is the blood of the new testament or covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins and then before we comment look at a chapter of book of hebrews verse 6 but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises so we see that Jesus is a mediator of the new covenant. A better covenant than what they had, better promises are provided for us. So a covenant is a legal contract between two parties who come into agreement and they make a decision to negotiate certain terms of the contract and then they seal it either with ink or with blood. If you seal it with ink, you can lose your possession if you don't keep your end of the bargain. But if you seal it with blood, you lay down your life. And each covenant head, each party knew that if I break this covenant, I die. I forfeit my life. Think about that. Would you think seriously about entering into that kind of a covenant? Before you signed or sealed it with your blood, would you think about it and think about the terms of it and negotiate exactly what you stand for, what you believe in? Or would you just haphazardly enter into it like we do some documents? Have you ever bought a house or a car or something like that and the guy gives you about 20 pages and you just start signing and signing and signing and signing? You have no idea what you just signed. Right? You're going to take out this loan. You're going to pay this certain amount of money and then you're going to forfeit your dog. And you just signed it all away. Right? Because you got tired of all the red tape, all the paperwork and all that. Well, I guarantee you that if it was in blood, you would read every word of that contract and be certain that you believe in it, you agree with it, you stand behind it, and you will not in any way break it. Because if you break it, you what? Die. In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, why do you think that if there was adultery, what happened? They were stoned to death. Now, that seems harsh, but wait a minute. You entered into it knowingly that you were selling, sealing it or signing it with blood. And that's why it was capital punishment. Now, I'm saying all that to let us understand the importance of a document like this or a covenant like this because the two covenant heads are God the Father and God the Son. Jesus stands for humanity, and the Father stands for all of heaven. So all of heaven stands on the Father's side, and all mankind stands on the Jesus side. And these two covenant heads got themselves together, and they negotiated for a contract or a covenant relationship between God and man. 
And Psalm 103 kind of gives us some clarity as to what took place. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A benefit is a condition of a contract. If you work for an employer and you get a benefit, it means that they have negotiated, that is the representatives of the company, as well as, well as the labor union, and set, et cetera. They come together and say, yes, we'll agree on, on a 3%, wait a minute, 9% <laughs> inflation and all that. And they agree to it. And they sign in ink. And for the next three years, you're guaranteed everything that's in that contract. And they can't break it. Period. Well, the father and the son got together and said, what shall we offer? Jesus goes to bat for us and says, I want all their sins forgiven. The father says, okay. And then on this side, Jesus says, and I want their bodies healed and healthy. And the father says, agreed. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. Respond like you believe that. Shall I read it again? He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. Oh, take a moment to shout. Hallelujah. 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 Can you say amen? See, there are two aspects to this supper. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received of the Lord. This is specifically given to Paul by Jesus himself. That which also I delivered unto you. Now I'm giving it to you as he gave it to me. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So there's the aspect of the body. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. The wine represents the blood, which represents the forgiveness of our sin. The bread represents his body, which represents our health, healing. And well-being physically. Our physical health and well-being. So we have these two. The wine and the bread. The cup and the host. One stands for the forgiveness of sins. The other stands for the healing of our bodies and our physical health. So when Jesus negotiated with the Father, he said, Look, I want you to put on me the sin of the world. It doesn't matter to me what nation they live in, where they come from. As far as I'm concerned, put it all on me. Let it, let it be on my blood. But also, Father, I want you to know this. I know it's going to be a great sacrifice that I'm going to have to go through. 
But I want to be striped with everything it takes so that the people that serve us are healthy. Put the stripes on me. Put the stripes on me. I'll take it all. Hallelujah. Look in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. The blood. Almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no remission. Without blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission. There is no removal of sin. And I know there are those that say, well, you know, okay, he died. Oh, matter of fact, I read some posts. I just wanted to vomit about Christianity. It's a fake. It's farce. It's this. It's that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. If you don't believe in it, but don't speak against it, because your punishment will be even greater. You talk like that. I want you to know something. Jesus said, out of every kindred, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation, put it all on me, Father. So it doesn't matter where they come from, what nation that they come from, what ethnicity that they have, whether, what gender that they are. It does not matter. I want it all to fall on me and on my blood. And I, my blood will be shed for the remission of the sin of the world. No wonder when they looked around heaven and said, who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? There was no one found in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth to take the book and loose the seals thereof. But he said, wait a minute. Look it. There is, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's prevailed to take the book and loose the seals. He redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Whew. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We believe that, don't we? Yes. And when they sung a new song saying, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Hallelujah. But you see, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there because there's the bread and the bread represents our physical healing. Now, let's bring that verse back up. 1 Corinthians 11 and 29. It represents his body. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Notice, not somebody else. Not discerning the Lord's blood. What? Say it again. Not discerning the Lord's body. We know the blood was shed for the remission of our sin. But even in all many Christian circles today, healing is not in the atonement. Healing is not for today. Oh, my, my, my. His body was broken. His body was crushed. His body was striped. It wasn't that his blood was just shed. You know, you can kill someone just by cutting the jugular. Right? That's it. Just like that. Drain his blood. Put him to sleep and drain his blood. No, no. With his stripes. He bore in his body 
on that tree. He took the stripes for you and for me. Why? That verse of scripture says, if you do so unworthily, you drink judgment to yourself. And it goes on to say, that's why many are weak, sick, and die prematurely. I have never seen a report that comes from a doctor that says, what was the cause of death? Eating and drinking the cup of the Lord unworthily. Never saw that. And you never will see that. I am making such a point. You know why? It's time that we wake up in a church world. It's time that we bring some reverence back. I've, I've seen in churches where, you know how you took communion? You know how I took Lord's Supper? There'll be a big basket up here. You just walk up and take it and leave. And as you go, take it. On your own, just go. Out the door. That's how we dismiss. You come up here, take it, just go, just take it for yourself. Such disrespect. Such disrespect. Why do you think Paul wrote in that first Corinthians chapter 11, he wrote all that he said, 10 and 11. He addressed this. You people are coming here to eat. You get drunk. You get, you know, you fill your belly up. These people are poor. They can't even eat. They can't. That's not what it's all about, he says. And then he starts to bring revelation. This stands for the new and everlasting covenant. And everything that Jesus did is in this celebration. It should be approached with reverence, respect, humility, gratitude, thanksgiving, and faith. I believe people are going to get healed this morning. When you partake of this supper. I believe it. Well, now, how do I rightly discern the Lord's body? Wouldn't that be a good question? Well, it's a threefold thing, in my opinion. It's a threefold thing. Number one, we have to remember the significance of his sacrifice. Number two, it involves understanding and remembering the, or discerning the significance of you being the body of Christ, me being the body of Christ as an individual. And thirdly, it also, it's discerning the fact that we, the body of Christ, as a whole unit, are the body of Christ. We all make up the body of Christ. We're members in particular. So we see a threefold discerning. His sacrifice of his body, you are the body of Christ as an individual, and also the church is the body of Christ. There's not time to get into all three aspects of this. I'm going to talk about the one, the main one, is the fact we have to discern the sacrifice, the significance of the sacrifice that he made for us. Look in the book of Exodus and chapter uh, 12. This is the reference that he gives us to the um, Passover. And thus shall he eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon 
the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. That, of course, being the Passover involving two things, two aspects. The roasted lamb, you've got to kill it, but you've got to take the body and you've got to roast it and you have to eat it. You've got to have it in you, not just in your place, not just in your home, but in your body, in your being. That's one part of it. The second aspect of it is the blood has got to be shed and the blood has got to be applied to the doorpost and lintel of your house. So we see these two things that are really types and shadows of the real thing, which was Christ, his body and his blood. But we see they had to participate in both, each, each one. You had to eat the roasted lamb all gone. Then apply the blood to your house. Two things we see here. Number one, the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, or the death angel would be stopped. The death angel had to be stopped. That's talking about spiritual separation from God for eternity. That's the blood took care of that. And secondly, the roasted lamb that you ate stood for your healing, your well-being. Why? How do I know that? Look at Psalm 105, verse 37, and this is what it says. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Wait a minute. Tell me when you can get a group of three million people and not have one person feeble among them. No, but when they partook of the body of the lamb, they ate of it, and then they applied the blood, and they got themselves ready to get themselves out, no matter how old they were, no matter how many aches and pains they had, no matter how sick they might have been, they all came out with silver and they all came out with gold and there wasn't one feeble among their tribe. Not one. Hallelujah. That is an inferior covenant based on inferior blood, the blood of a sacrificial lamb. And that's exactly what they experienced. They were all healed. They were all delivered. Delivered from spiritual death, so to speak. Of course, they couldn't be born again because the, the better blood wasn't shed. But then they were all healed. And they were brought out. Can you imagine that? What a wonderful experience that had to have been. But then, look at Isaiah 53. Mm. You got your shouting clothes on? Look at verse 4 and 5. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Yet, yet what? Who has believed our report? To whom of the Lord is our arm of the Lord revealed? Grew up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. There's no comeliness. We shall see him. There's no comeliness that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He's despised and we esteemed him not. Yet, surely... He himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. 
punishment for our peace was upon him, and we are healed by his wounds. We are healed by his wounds. We are healed by his wounds. Say with me, I am healed by his wounds. Say it again, I am healed by his wounds. Hallelujah. Say it like we mean it. I am healed by his wounds. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, before I was really taught a lot in Scripture when I was just saved, just young in the Lord. And I believed that. And then I started going to church. (laughs) Healing isn't for us for today. Isaiah wasn't talking about physical healing. He was talking about spiritual healing. I'm like, what? Really? And then I came across Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. Hmm. This is Matthew's commentary on what Isaiah meant. Okay? And I, Matthew was inspired by the Holy Ghost, not by the board of advisors or the dean of the school. Or the uh, I mean, seminary that you went to. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses himself took our infirmities and bear us what was Isaiah speaking to and about with his stripes we are healed is not spiritual but physical with the stripes on his back with the crushing that he bore was for our physical well-being And just in case they don't agree with Matthew's commentary, what about Peter's commentary? 1 Peter 2, 24. Who was their own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. By his stripes we were healed. Do you see that? Someone says, well, that's just talking about sin. Okay. Let's go a little bit deeper here. In Matthew, I believe it's chapter 9, when they brought the man born of four and they set him down before Jesus and he wanted to have an audience with Jesus because, you know, he wanted to get healed. And Jesus saw him and he said, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Whoa, did that get their attention? When he said, your sins are forgiven you, they said, who in the world can forgive sins but God himself? Does he, who's he making himself to be? Does he think he's God that he forgives sins on the earth? And Jesus, who knew what was in their heart, knew what they were saying, said to them, answer me this question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or you're healed. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, take up your bed and get out of this place. And he was healed. Jesus puts them in the same category. 
healing, forgiveness. Psalm 103 said, all your sins are forgiven, your body's healed. You see it over and over again throughout Scripture. And right here he says, he bore our sins in his body on the tree so we could be set free from what spiritual death. And by his stripes we were healed. Hallelujah. With his stripes we were healed. With his stripes I am healed and so are you. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 21. So if Isaiah agrees... Matthew agrees, Peter agrees, they all agree together. His blood paid the price for our sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ or made right with God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when I hear even some pastors sometimes and people that I pray, Lord, I'm so unworthy, I'm so unrighteous, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All I, 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 it's almost, I get to the place like I'm thinking, have we never read the Bible? Do we not know the redemptive plan? Don't we understand the finished work of Christ? You were unrighteous. You were unholy. You were ungodly. That's what you were. But praise God, you've been saved. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a masterpiece. You are a work of outstanding artistry, skill, and workmanship because you've been painted by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not unworthy. He made you worthy. He made you the worthy, worthy to walk on the other side of the veil that separated God and man. Walk right on in with your head held high and just say, I belong here, Father, right here in your holy presence. Amen. He made us the righteousness of God in Christ. And we just read, you see, for the price that was paid for our right standing with God was his blood. The price that was paid for our healing was his stripes. For with his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. Well, look in the book of Galatians chapter 3. And this is verses 13 and 14. These are some of the initial verses that really just gave me a deeper revelation of the redemptive plan of God. And what Christ had to go through for us to be free. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by making Peter's mother-in-law a curse for us. You don't have that translation? No. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Let's stop right there just for a moment. What? What's wrapped up in this celebration is someone had to become the curse for us. Do we know what that means? Look at the latter, next part of that. Cursed, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Cursed. Someone was made a curse for us. 
Why? That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So all the blessings of Abraham belong to us. Why? Because somebody became the curse for us. Who became the curse for us? Christ became the curse for us. And on that tree, praise God, he became that curse. He bore the curse for us. What Adam brought, the curse in the beginning, thank God Christ, the second Adam, removes it from us. And look at Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 through 61. Look what they say. Because this is the curse of the law. This is part of the curse of the law. If you're not careful to obey all the words of this law, which are written in this scroll, by fearing this glorious and awesome name, Yahweh, your God, he will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, severe and lasting plagues and terrible and chronic sicknesses. He will afflict you again with all the diseases of Egypt, which you dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also afflict you with every sickness and every plague not recorded in the book of this law until you are destroyed. That doesn't sound like a picnic. Does that sound like a picnic to you? You know what? This will bless you. You've been redeemed from that. We've been redeemed from that. Every sickness, every plague, every disease, whether it's known or unknown, written or unwritten, named or unnamed, we have been redeemed from because somebody came, became the curse for us. So all the curse with all its effects was placed on our Redeemer, our Savior, on that tree. Wow. Why? So the blessings of Abraham could come upon us. That's just one. But the full blessings of the gospel of Christ belong to us. And he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to just conclude. Uh, look at verse 24, once again, in 1 Corinthians 11, our main text. Notice what he says. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take heed, this is my body which is broken for you. This do remembering me. I don't want you just to take your little wafer and run out the door. You know what I want us to do? Give it some serious thought. Stop and think about everything that's in this celebration this morning. You know why? There's forgiveness of sin and there's healing for the body. This is better than a laying on of hand service. It's better than an impartation service. And if you're out there and you're battling a sickness or a disease in your body, you know what you should do every single morning. Get up and do what we're about to do right here and right now. Now, uh, look at the book of Acts. We're going to close real quick here in a moment. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 14, beginning of verse 7. And there they preached church doctrine. No? Okay. No, there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak. Who steadfastly beholding him, Paul, that is, perceived, perceiving he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. Whoa, wait a minute. Do you think the gospel that he heard was one of 
Healing is not for today. It may not be God's will to heal you. You're under that curse so you could be a better person in this life. Do you think that's the gospel that he heard? I don't think so either. I believe Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel. And when they preached the gospel, it sounded something like this. Yeah, I want you to know this. I want you to know that our forefathers did this, that, and the other thing. They came out of Egypt and they had the uh, Passover. It celebrated the Passover and all that. But let me tell you something right now. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the Messiah. And he came. And when he suffered and died on Calvary's cross, he shed his blood for the sin of the entire world. He was the antitype of the type that was represented way back then. And you know what? With his stripes, you are healed. You were healed with his stripes. Say it, buddy, with his stripes, I'm healed, with his stripes, I'm healed, with his stripes, I'm healed. Now get up and walk. He took off. Then Philip, 8th chapter of Acts, went down to Samaria, preached Christ unto them. The people gave heed unto the things he said, seeing and hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For crying, unclean spirits came out crying with a loud voice. And men that were palsy uh, were healed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So he pe- preached Christ to them. Paul preached the gospel. Philip preaches Christ. Ah, something like this. Christ bore your sin on Calvary's cross. I want you to know, see the Samaritans now. Remember, the Jews and the Samaritans just don't get along. But he's telling the Samaritans, I want you to know something. He died for you too. He bore your sin for you. He took your sin for you. He shed his blood for you. And oh, by the way, all you people, I see a few demon possessed out there. I see a few that are lame and I see palsied and all that. I want you to know something. You ready for it? By his stripes, you were healed. Look at yourself by his stripes. You were healed. Devils came out of people. People that were lame were walking and they were leaping and they were praising God. There was joy in that city like you couldn't even imagine. That's the gospel. That's preaching Christ. Then I remember someone named Anzavino went into the city of Youngstown and there was a lady who couldn't walk on her foot. It was so bad, so terrible, she couldn't even touch the ground with her foot. It hurt so bad. But this Anzavino was so young in the Lord, all he knew to do was just preach the gospel. Tell this lady, he bore your sin and lead her to Christ. And so I did. And then, by the way, I said to her, with his stripes, You also were healed. So here's how I did it. Just to let you know how I did it. We just prayed the sinner's prayer. But now we're going to pray another prayer. Repeat after me. Jesus, you died on Calvary. And by your stripes, I was healed. I accept you. I receive you as my healer, as well as my savior. By your stripes. I am healed in Jesus name. I said, now, lady, ma'am, you're healed. She jumped off the couch, smacked her foot down on the ground. All the pain is gone. I'm completely healed. Think about it. Did you do something? I didn't do anything. 
I was more surprised than she was. I was just the carrier of the message. I was shocked. But I was pleasantly shocked. And that was the standard. That's the gospel. This represents the greatest work on earth. This supper is a holy supper. It is a solemn occasion. It's an exciting occasion. But it has contained within it the complete finished work of Christ. His blood forgives our sin. His stripes heal our body. Hallelujah. To rightly discern the Lord's body. Notice he didn't say blood. But to rightly discern the Lord's body. I have to recognize the stripes he bore. The curse he became. How every sickness and every disease was placed on him. And what he bore, we need not bear. What he took, we need not take. So this morning as we celebrate this supper, I want us to do so with reverence and with full discernment of what he did to forgive our sins and heal our diseases. Can we do that this morning? Hallelujah. If you haven't been served uh, the elements of the Lord's Supper, kindly raise your hand. We have our ushers walking around to get, get you. One. That's the sacrifice of his body. Secondly, we also said, as an individual, I'm a recognize. I am the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we are told, flee fornication. For every sin that a man does is without the body. But fornication, you sin against your whole body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have a God, and you are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Say with me, my body belongs to God as an individual see you're the body of Christ because he bought and paid for your body as a church we're the body of Christ which means we purpose in our hearts to walk in unity and harmony with each other walking in forgiveness and caring for one another recognizing that we need one another and that there's no unused members in the body of Christ Tonight we emphasized, this morning rather, we emphasized the sacrifice, but I don't want to underemphasize the fact that you are the body individually and collectively as a church body. I'm believing God for miracles this morning as we celebrate this supper. But first, before we even participate, as the scripture says, let a man examine himself. Examine myself examine yourself do we really really appreciate the shed blood does it impact us in a way so as to affect our behavior 
the way we live? Do I really recognize the impact on Jesus' life when he became his body, when he became the curse and bore the stripes? And do I deeply appreciate what he did for me? Do I stand in awe of the living God who made this ultimate sacrifice for me, for us, so that we could be part of the family of God? Am I walking in love toward the brethren? Am I walking in forgiveness? Am I demonstrating compassion? Am I reaching out to others? Do I give him my hands, my feet, my voice? I belong to you, Jesus. I live for you, Jesus. Take a moment. You answer your own questions. Am I holding out against anyone? Then, Father, I release that person and forgive me. This is too sacred to take lightly. Thank you for the blood that cleanses the sin-sick soul. Thank you for the stripes that make us every whit whole.
Let's all stand together in reverence as we participate in this wonderful celebration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. This do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we remember your sacrifice. We remember you, how you left the glory world, how you humbled yourself to become a man, how you robed yourself in flesh as a body was provided for you. As you walked on this earth in that flesh, as you spoke as no man spoke, as you did as no man did, as you died as no man died. We remember the stripes you bore for our healing. As Isaiah prophesied, with your stripes we are healed. As Peter confirmed, with your stripes we were healed. As Matthew said, you bore our sickness and carried our pains hallelujah willingly on the tree you became the curse for us you have arisen with healing in your wings you are the healer of the human body and so this morning we receive strength we receive health we receive longevity as we celebrate your workmanship hallelujah let us receive together the body of our Lord and let us give thanks. Tell them, with your stripes I am healed. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whatever it is, tell it to get out of your body. Get out of my body. With the stripes I'm healed. With the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You bore my sickness, you carried my pains, and with your stripes, I am healed. Hallelujah. Glory. On the same night, he took the cup after they had supped. He gave thanks and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. And often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me how we remember Jesus that only your blood only your blood can satisfy the claims of justice held against mankind from Adam's high treason only your blood was untainted with the Adamic sin nature only your blood can redeem us not silver not gold without the shedding of blood there is no remission but you willingly went to the cross you willingly lay down your life you willingly shed your blood for the remission of sin there's no other blood in all the world in all the universe no no mankind that can save a sin sick soul but your blood and we acknowledge as the people of Almighty God that we've been redeemed not with silver, not with gold, by the precious blood that you shed for us on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. 
out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We've been redeemed as we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood that was shed for our redemption. Glory to God for the remission of sin. For the new and everlasting covenant. Together, let us receive of the cup of the Lord. And let us give thanks. Hallelujah. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. Let him hear you say it. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. Forgiven and healed. Hallelujah. Only by the blood of the Lamb. Only by the blood of the Lamb. And the strength that you bore. Oh, give him a praise offering, everybody. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.